It's breaking me. It's breaking me. Yeah. That was a warehouse. And the two main characters suck. No! No, 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 no! No! I love this movie. Just elevators and hand jobs. That's true love. I'm Desiree. And I'm Virginia. And this is. That's, That's not, not how, how I remember, remember it. it. Hey there, buddy. Hey, what's up? What's up, Virginia? What's up, world? Oh, you know, same old, same old fun times of not ever leaving my house. How about you? Oh, you know, life is good in the void. Can't complain. <laughs> yeah. Baking I don't need a lot. to go places and see people. Yep. And using this time, of course, to watch a bunch of movies. Yes, for sure. So, what did we watch this week? So, we watched The Wicker Man, and I think me and Virginia decided to watch both of them. So, we watched the original 1973 Wicker Man and the 2006 Wicker Man. Yes, we did. Boy, they're different. <laughs> Boy, are they. It is the difference between a uh, Bob Ross painting and a crude drawing in a bathroom stall at a bar that you laugh at for a second while you're peeing out the five shots of tequila you just down. <laughs> yeah. Basically. So how do you want to approach this? Um, I would like to, okay, so I, I actually watched it, um, so I watched the 1973 one first, and then I watched the, uh, second one, so I will, uh, I will start with talking about, let's start, start with the 
Oh, that so, that movie definitely inspired Hot Fuzz. Yeah, for sure. So um, I thought that was fun. I liked that. And oh man, um, Christopher Lee he looked so young. Christopher Lee was. I mean, he's fucking amazing in this. And yeah. uh, this was like a passion project for him. Oh really? Because he was trying to kind of move away from the Hammer films, so he got together with the um with the director and he was and you know the director told him like what he wanted to make and he was like yeah i want to help you do this so i mean this movie was it was really crazy because they made it with very it was a super small budget and uh and and to the point where christopher lee like even like didn't take any pay for the movie for most of it because like just to like get things going yeah. and you can and you can kind of see the budget cuts in it like not crazy but like the the sound design specifically there were some um areas that they were talking yeah. where i was like i was like ah yeah you, you didn't yeah i know what you mean. there were a couple of things like that that were a little obvious but it was um I mean, it was very 1973. Like, it was, oh, the 70s. Everything was so horny all the time. I always, now whenever I hear the word horny, though, I hear it as, like, Natasha from, um, or Nadja from What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, yeah. It's very horny. (laughs) Horny. Horny movie. But, um, yeah, and it it was, uh, it even though it was obviously a much lower budget, like, it was just so much of a better movie than the other one. And, um, oh, what was I gonna say? About, there was, oh, it was when, um, Britt Eklund is, like, dancing in the room. Yeah. That's Classic. So, yeah, that's so 1973. Oh, my gosh. She's just, like, randomly slapping the wall. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? But, I don't know. I saw her vulva a good couple of times. Oh, yeah. Definitely. (laughs) They were not... I don't think there was an established rating system at that point. No. But then, um... What were you gonna say? I was gonna say, you know, I I think it's kind of interesting, too, that I like how in the beginning, you know, they have that thing of, like, oh, the people of summer isle thank you for the your religious thing and and i wonder if like they guess did that as like a poll to make people think it was like a documentary or something you know because yeah. it's so it's so it's a little odd that they did that but i kind of can see like them doing it because summer isle is not a real place but when i first saw this movie i had no idea so i actually thought it was a real place and it's it's not they, they filmed like the scenes of summer isle in a bunch of different scottish towns yeah, they were trying to pull a little bit of a, a early Blair Witch there, I think, and make it seem like, oh, maybe this is real, maybe it's not, kind of thing. In a way, yeah. Yeah. But, Which, um, not as I... Handed. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. What did you say? Um, but yeah, this, but this movie, I mean, rewatching it was really delightful. Because I loved it the first time I saw it, and I actually loved it even more watching it again. Because watching it older especially, there was just so much that I felt like I could appreciate. 
And I, I love that it's, I mean, it's really, when you think about it, it's not like a straight horror movie and you don't, and I feel like this is is the type of tone that inspired Midsummer in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, definitely. Where it's that tone of like, you know, everything's fine. These people seem chill. And actually, if anything, you know, well, watching it today is different too, but like that guy, you know, he's kind of seems a little bit like an asshole with the jesus stuff and the christian stuff but then also like i get what they're doing too because the whole thing is like this is his nightmare you know this this good you know firmly christian scottish dude who has you know grown up believing that and and believing that you know pagans are bad and and i can see so then that also brings up where a lot of people i think see this movie as like anti-pagan in a way but the way the director talks about it, um, I, I don't think that was the case. Because like, he seemed very, he was very interested in the pagan cultures and rituals. In fact, in that, they use a traditional, it's, it's actually a ritual they still do to this day in Scotland. They just don't, like, sacrifice people. But it's, like, the thing with the swords <laughs> making the star yeah. and the people dipping in and out. That's, that's a thing they still do today. Yeah. You know? So there are things that kind of bled into the culture and i don't think people look on in scotland look on like certain pagan things that harshly as as is it's a deep part of their you know culture but um but well, when you, was, like watching it in that yeah sorry. yeah i mean i think it was definitely very much like for that character and and how that character was developed and all like as opposed to just being i don't know about the Scottish stuff like Scottish people are or anything in general but I think that was like the way it like I don't know that that compared to the Nicolas Cage movie like there was a lot less setup of the character but the character still like was a lot better developed you know what I mean like and it was kind of like I think they drew on those really stark differences to to do that very quickly and everything in terms of developing who that character was because he was he was really when you think about how little like time they spend on his background you really felt like you knew who he was and everything i don't know oh absolutely and that i mean that's that's good writing i i felt like i mean it's felt like the way they like his whole thing in there where you're just like okay he's this like Scottish police officer but you know you easily find out like all this information like he's engaged and he's a virgin and stuff like that and without without it having to be this whole thing of like exhibition without it having to be a five hour conversation like they were having <laughs> multiple times in the Nicholas Cage Wickerman <laughs> they were just throwing throwing stock characters at that that hot mess fire. I don't know. <laughs> oh. Okay, we'll get to that. Let's talk about this nice one first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm trying to think. It was just it. I I like movies from that time period too because I do think that they rely a lot more on the skill of the writers and the actors. And they're not so much just about the appearance. Like, 
not that I don't like movies now that have very, like, nice visuals and everything, you know? That's great, but I think movies nowadays get a little caught up in the appearance and, like, kind of throw the importance of the story to the side a little bit, where when you have a really good story and really good actors, you know, you can do it without all that. And I think Midsummer strikes a nice balance, like you brought that up. In movies like that, they have a good story and they have good actors. And they use a little bit of the special effects, but it's not, like, relying on it, you know? I definitely am... I'm loving... Well, especially... So, right now, currently in this situation, I feel like there is a new... And I I think it's going to... We're going to see more of it inspiring a new, like... um, wave of just small filmmaking and Mm -hmm. I'm really interested in seeing that come back and I love that style just like that I think when it because it show to me that actually shows you more of like if a director is good or not because if you if you narrow it down and you take away all the extra stuff that can like you know you know add or maybe distract from something else and you just see the way they film a scene even if it's just like an innocuous scene when nothing's happened if you are riveted to that scene, then they did a good job. Yeah. And I, lo- I love that that's coming out more. And I think people are, like, you know, inspired by movies like this that, ha- you know, that happened back then because it's, um, because it's, I mean, it's basically like that. It's that small kind of feeling. And, and that Wicker Man also was more, there was that real, a little bit of a realistic film feeling even though it was like a lot of real like ridiculous things happening there is still kind of this like you know this is a little scottish village i completely believe these are scottish people who live in this village yeah. <laughs> you know except for Britt eklund who had like a weird like swedish scottish accent but she's Britt eklund it doesn't matter she can do it doesn't matter yeah he just had to there yeah yeah well I think um when you were saying that it made me think of um I think Greta Gerwig is good at that at at doing the the sort of smaller filmmaking but that still looks really nice and everything too you know like oh yeah so I don't know I think it'll be interesting to see what she does in the future there's a few out there like that but um I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anything else about the original one I really wanted to talk about. Hmm. Well, what about you? I, lo- I love that it's a musical. I oh, like yeah. I was not really expecting that, but it, it worked. That was a, like, definite... Um... That was a deliberate choice that Robin Hardy made. He was just like, yeah, this is going to be have music in it and songs because this is, I mean, that's how, like, these festivals are celebrated. So he really wanted to have that. And that last, to the point where that last song was in Middle English. And they, and all the songs were made for the movie. And I felt like that was, that was very, actually a really nice touch. I actually really like this song. I, the song that where they're, like, walk, he's walking past the maypole and they're, like, dancing around it and singing, I mean, basically singing about banging, but, like, yeah. I thought it was, but I thought it was a good song. I was, like, jamming to it. I, I, I liked it. Um, and 
that whole yeah that whole sequence too that was so great but oh yeah the way they he seamlessly fit the music into it as well i thought was really really well and what and what a risk to take in a movie where you're trying to set a uh, you know you're going for something specific you know in in the end he did want to inspire this kind of like existential dread and you're doing that in a movie with this kind of light-hearted music and when you can nail that i think that's special (laughs) yeah no it really did um work in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect and they did do a good job of like building it into the story you know it wasn't real jarring like like people just stopped and burst into song or anything if they they incorporated it and it gave you too kind of like a little hint of like there's something else going on here that you don't quite know what it is you know what I mean like <laughs> well I felt like they did that was good in like the beginning of like oh maybe there's something weird I mean generally up until like in the bar you're like oh, okay yeah there everyone's having a good time it's a cute little bar and then he walks outside and everyone's just banging and yeah that's, that's when it was like well hello there <laughs> yeah that that scene was that was just kind of funny and how they like slowed down and like focused in real tight on like the banging people you know it was just very oh that is such a 70s filmmaker move like i've seen that in so many especially in like 60s and 70s horror movies i've seen that but that moment of like we're gonna pause this like still frame it for a second yeah <laughs> and i wonder i wonder what the point i feel like maybe it was just like a way to like get people to s- sit in the moment for a second to have that feeling of like time is stopping for the character so it's stopping for you which i kind of like but it's funny out of like yeah. ah, free frame on them titties yeah <laughs> better they just know people like looking at movies oh yeah yeah <laughs> Maybe it's uh, a little bit of both. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at one of my notes. Like when he's uh when he's like eating the food and he's like talking about how weak weird the food is or whatever, or, like why there aren't apples and she's just like, Food isn't everything you know. <laughs> I was just like, Well, I feel like you shouldn't say that if you work at a place that sells food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Yeah, they were kinda like <laughs> shut up and then eat it like take, yeah. take it. <laughs> like oh man though to me so some of the like back to the the banging and the, the street thing like if he wasn't just like yeah this is a perfect christian nightmare because if he wasn't this like staunchly <laughs> christian version this just would have been a good time i know right like, i think i think a lot of people especially in 1973 if they had just walked out like everyone's like yeah a banging party and you're just like all right take off my shirt <laughs> Jump on in. I was thinking well, that when he was getting burned, I was like, literally, all you had to do was go bang the beautiful woman, and they would not have set you on fire. Like, that's true. She gave him an out. Yeah, she gave him an out. Yeah, I know. And that man. Okay, and so. Yeah, to compare a little bit, like, get, like, the, uh, like, the mystery was, there was an actual mystery. Like, the first time I saw Wicker Man, I am glad that I saw this Wicker Man when I first saw it. It was before the Nicolas Cage one. 
And this was back, like, <laughs> this is definitely back when I was a teenager and in my, like, I have to prove how cool I am, so I have to watch all the, like, obscure old movies. And I, um, and there was this little, like, movie rental place near my house that, like, rented out, you know, movies like that. So I went, and I'd heard of Wicker Man, and I found it, so I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is fucking bonkers. Yeah. I kind of wish I had seen this one first, because I definitely, like, you know, knew what was coming, so I can't really say, like, whether the build-up was very good or not, because I kind of knew from the beginning, you know? The the, the 1970s one did it so much better, because, like, that was just... That, that scene... So that was, when I first saw it, I mean, that did get me. And it was, because I, I mean, I knew that some crazy shit was going to happen. I was like, okay, that's something shady. But when Rowan was there, I was like, oh, Rowan is real, okay, so maybe this is something. But then when they go to the runs towards Christopher Lee that got me that oh, genuinely yeah. did the first time I saw it I was like oh shit it was him yeah yeah I think if I had seen it first I probably would have had more of that reaction cause I can see where it kind of gives you that less because the other one with the whole thing with him being her father and everything i don't know <coughs> that just kind of confuses oh god the whole yeah thing. well let me see if i have any more we're gonna we're gonna get deep into that i will say like <laughs> i have more notes for the 2006 wicker man than i do for the 70s wicker man and that's not for a good reason yeah <laughs> No, definitely um, not. I, I want to talk a little bit more because I do want to also talk about, like, the, the I mean, the ending of that movie, I think, is iconic for a fucking reason. Oh, yeah. It was done so, it's, it is horrific. It is actually scary and horrific when you really, like, because everyone, that's when they pull in all of the light music all through the movie and then you're seeing it now in what it really is where you're like, all these people like, oh, singing and dancing and he's just screaming in horror and he's like trying to re and you really feel him when he's reasoning. Like, God, that guy's such a good actor. Like, you really feel it. Like, when he's trying to be logical and being like, this doesn't make sense, he's just gonna like, you know, be to be next they're just gonna burn you because the crop like you're trying to grow tropical fruit on scottish island which i did laugh a i know like, that funny. was pretty funny he's like it just doesn't fucking work but <laughs> <laughs> you can't fucking grow pineapples on <laughs> well i think that was kind of Kind of one of the themes that the movie was sort of exploring, too, was, like, authority and the role of, like, you know, uh, we come up with these sort of concepts that rule our lives or whatever, and what does it look like when other people live under different rules and your authority no longer matters kind of in a way, you know, because that was sort of like with him being a police officer and he kept being like, it was kind of that Nicholas Angel thing of he kept being like, you're all under arrest. I'm arresting all of you. And it's like, dude, you're like outnumbered a hundred to one. And he's still like, 
I know. Taking you all in, you know. <laughs> and it's even worse because this guy has no, I mean, he's literally on a little island here. He has no way to fucking get back. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was kind of the, the whole thing there was, like, he doesn't get that, like, his authority doesn't matter anymore, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that was kind of, kind of part of what he, like, up until the end, he just still expected that to come in and, and kind of reinforce what he expected to happen. Because even at the end, he's like, Jesus God, I know you're gonna come and intervene, and you're gonna save me, and all this. And it's a, it's a really, it's a movie about the strength of beliefs. Yeah, I do like how Robin Hardy, in a way, in a, in, I don't think this is intentional, but in a way, he touched on also the concept of cultism before people were really talking about it. Because at this point in the early seventies, that's when like the whole idea of cults was starting to really come to fruition and people were kind of starting to like know about it a little bit, but it wasn't like, you know, popular culture. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about it, this really was kinda when a lot of that was really coming to light. And and Christopher Lee was so per like, oh my God. Dude, that performance. Like and he you could tell, like he could tell that he couldn't wait like he was crawling in his skin trying to do something different than like a hammer movie and he just wanted to stretch and he really stretched like i thought he did a really he was just so phenomenal that scene with him in the mansion talking to the officer and like explaining his religion and explaining every it was so to achieve perfect cult leadership like just that like I'm so reasonable. I'm so charismatic. I love everyone here. This is, you know, everything is for everyone else's benefit, I say, in my giant mansion. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I just happen to keep all of the most big boob blonde ladies close to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing weird there. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was really good. And it was definitely um, a little different for him. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> this is some of the notes just from, like, certain scenes <laughs> I wrote down, like, so in uh, Lord Summer Isle's house, like, I noted that, I was like, hmm, like, that he has, uh, framed photos of onions and tomatoes. <laughs> um, very, 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 very <laughs> proud of their harvest. Yes. Um, oh my god, and what was that scene? I think it was maybe the day when he's like trying to like find someone or like freaking out and he like opens that one door and that lady's just like I think she was like rubbing one out in a bathtub. It was like the shittiest bathtub. Oh in the world. yeah. Well that was the kind of movie this was where you just opened a door and there's a lady rubbing one out. I mean <laughs> the rubbing one out is fine. I was more I was like, that's the worst bathtub. Yeah. And a lady rub one out. It wasn't really for taking a bath. No, per yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's that's mainly what I got for that. So 
The trash fire. Okay. okay. <laughs> it literally knew it was a trash fire. It started with a trash fire. <laughs> oh my god. It, and and can I say, okay, so I haven't seen this in a very long time. And the first time I saw it, I definitely thought it was bad. And I was laughing my ass off at it. And I thought it was hilarious. But, but watching it again, I'm more angry. Them laugh. I mean, I still so, laugh at the end. Yeah, I did not remember that this movie was like written by a men's rights activist. <laughs> like this yeah. movie was just like a hate crime. It was not good. Like, like Robin Hardy and Christopher Lee like made it a point to like say when this movie came out they were like yeah we're not associated with this in any way <laughs> this is not associated with the original wicker man well and the original is so like the whole point or not the whole point but a big part of the point is all about like you know sexual liberation and all this kind of shit and they turn it into this movie that's like women are whores who are gonna steal your children and eat you yeah like, and enslave men yeah and, and use them for and cut out their tongues or whatever they did and use them for sex and so be scared of these women yeah but he, but he masked it i remember when it came out because he totally masked it as like isn't this empowering and it's like fuck you dude yeah what the fuck okay so like from the beginning it was just very confusing because what was the point of the thing with the car catching on fire? Never got explained. Never, never mattered. Could have never. No, they did. Never happened. Did <coughs> they explain it? <coughs> when? Where? How? At, at the very end, they just showed the girl that oh, we're part of the cult, and that was it. It made. No but that wasn't the same so. girl, was it? What? That girl in the car? That wasn't his that daughter. Was, that was the... No, but they were part of the cult. Okay, so at the very oh, end... Oh, were they there? When she's, like, doing the reveal of, like, this this is all planned. We wanted you. We planned this from the beginning. In the background, they show the girl and the mom from the car and the lady oh. cop. Oh, okay. I missed that. Because, honestly, I had checked out a little by then because this movie was also really fucking long for what it was. <laughs> it did not deserve to be that long. <laughs> no. So unearned. That was the dumbest shit because it made, it literally makes no sense. Why do you even need to add? They added so much more to this mystery that wasn't necessary. Okay, and here's, here's what really bugged me, right? <laughs> so they, like fuck everything up as far as the plot and made all these big changes where now Willow's like this big character and they were married and he's the father and all this shit but then they take random snippets of the script and keep them in there word for word in contexts that make absolutely no sense just for the sake of like having that same block of text it was so bizarre like, whoever wrote this should, like, not be allowed to use any writing implements ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. 
Like, I think his wife left him the week before he wrote this movie. The working title was Judy Took the Kids and Moved Out. And I'm angry about it. And, and I'm angry. And so I wish I could punch a woman in the face. So I can have an entire sequence of a he guy punching like a bunch of women in the face. Five women in the face. <laughs> he fucking karate kicks Lee Lisa Bieski into a wall.
Yeah, and then he departs for the island. I can't remember if anything else happened before then. It wasn't in the uh, No, it was pretty much like that to the island. Yeah. Maybe he had some weird, like, fucking random dreams or something that were stupid and didn't make any sense. Um. <laughs> oh, God, the double dream reveal at the plane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best just because of his reaction. I yeah. love the choice he made there to go, God damn it! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something okay okay i got it i'm trying to you got it okay good what's going on come on play okay supposed to be serious he's just so too naturally goofy and they try to make him this like serious leading man action hero and he should not be allowed to do those kind of movies he's goofy and the movies where he's good are where he's goofy it's true um well it actually it makes me it does make me want to watch mandy again because i love mandy um yeah i don't know if you saw that one I still haven't seen it. I keep wanting it's, to. That's pretty oh, really it's, good. Oh, it's fantastic. But see, that's like oh. real over the top, and like anything that's over the top, yeah. He, he thrives. But but there was actual like emotion in it that even though it was over the top, he sold it really well. Like, and there were like these very soft moments where he had to like you know downplay things and you you really believed it you know because there was there's like a whole sequence where he's like you know just being a person and and it's and it works really well like it everything is balanced in it like i I love it it's it's a great god it's a great movie well i think he can do that like i think he's capable of it and he like some of his comedies and stuff like um Raising Arizona or like Moonstruck or Oh yeah. I'm trying to think of some other ones he's done. I mean he got a fucking like Oscar for Moonstruck. Yeah. Like you know, like that he's he can definitely do it. But those even those characters are still there's there's something a little bit like cartoonish about them kind of, you know, like Well that's true. He needs to have a little room to be a little bit eccentric it, or something. Yeah, I think it's the direction, really. I think, like, the, the, like a director who knows how to utilize his, like, energy is, like, that That makes it work. 
Yeah. I think that's probably a big part of it. Um, okay, so real quick, though, back to that scene where, like, she comes in, she's, like, telling, like, the lady cop comes over. So he gets the note or whatever. She hands him the note. <laughs> that, that instantly should have been the most suspicious thing. In the, <laughs> because no one, no one writes letters like that. Yeah. It was like a fucking letter from Hogwarts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it definitely was. And then um, he looked it up or something, didn't he? And it was all like, this is the ancient symbol of the people that <laughs> eat people or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and he was like, whatever. <laughs> whatever. And he he's like, I'll just go on out to this island because this chick I used to bang lives there. No, but they were, they were, um, were they engaged or something? They were engaged. Yeah. And then she left. She left. And, then, and she left to go back to the island, but he was just like, okay, you left. And then apparently, you know, from what he knows, like, she had the baby, but now she's worried something happened to the kid, and so she's like... She's she did all this, but she's like 25. <laughs> huh? She did all this, but she's like 25. Like she, yeah, she was um, way too young <laughs> to have, like, had enough time in her life to have a child that age, and have been engaged to Nicolas Cage. But anyway, well, I mean, people do that. I know, I know people who've had kids at twenty five and shit. Yeah, but the kid was like twelve. Like she would have had to have been like sixteen when she had this child to. How old do you think she was? The actress, she looks like she was, like, in her mid-30s. Really? You think so? I thought she looked like she was, like, maybe 30 tops. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I couldn't... I was distracted from the fact that she also looks like a real-life version of the corpse bride. She did! She was, like, such a knockoff Angelina Jolie. That was a very 2006 look. She was absolutely beautiful. But just the way they had her play every scene with these just, like the sad eyes oh god she also i'm like why did why are they sending this woman out to do like learn the men she's a terrible liar every single conversation she's having with this guy she's just like uh, i i don't know and i think maybe over there i can, i don't know like she didn't know how to fucking string a sentence together <laughs> oh it was just i felt bad for her i don't know of anything else that she's ever done i'm not sure Oh, this I didn't believe it was the actress. Theater. It was the fucking scene. It was just the way they had her play it, like, with the writing and everything. Like, it didn't yeah. make any sense. No, it did not. <laughs> and that whole character was just... Ugh, why? Why did they need to do that? It's dumb as hell. And, well, there were a lot of whys in this movie. Um, but I love that conversation they're having, too, when she used to remind me when she's like, well, you know, when we were young, and I'm like, we... Like, yeah, you were probably young. I don't know how young Nicholas Cage was. Yeah, yeah. Like I hate that. I and they do that so much. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's not as much of a thing these days. But it was a real thing, like in that time period, where they would just cast like any old dude and put him with some young woman, and we were just supposed to believe that this schlubby guy was capable if he was not a multimillionaire Hollywood actor of getting this like gorgeous too young for him woman 
You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a yeah, it's a tired, it's a tired trope. Yeah, and this movie was just like all about that. Oh yeah, and one hundred percent. Oh yeah, I love like it had to have like oh make sure there's lots of hot ladies on this island. Yeah. Either, like, hot ladies or really old women, so, you know, we know. Oh, I love, really quick, though, those twins, the old lady twins. The old lady twins were creepy, I have to I say. I love them. Yeah. They're great. They, they, those two have, like, cornered the market and have, like, made this great career of being, like, these creepy old lady twins, and they were in the uh, Netflix series of unfortunate events and they're so funny they're great like i love i love those women <laughs> so i'm like good for you this helps bump your careers yeah <laughs> well they were like the what made it extra disappointing is there are several um women actors in this who are really good you know have been yeah. really good in other things i love Frances conroy and um Ellen Burstyn and um, oh, that other lady, I can't remember her name who played Miss Rose, I've seen her in other things oh yeah, I think it's Diane Delano yeah yeah, um, who, who was Miss Beach or Sister Beach or whatever no um, the teacher oh, I didn't recognize her really, I think I've seen her in some other things, but I can't remember her name um but yeah, there were several who have been in other things and been good. Yeah, the sister Beach who like ran the inn or the bar or whatever. That she, I'd seen in a bunch of stuff, and her name's mm-hmm. Diane Delano. Yeah, I recognized her too. I didn't know her name. Um, and then Lily Sobieski of, and um, I don't know. Um, Lily Sobieski of Jungle to Jungle fame. Yes, yeah, so of Jungle to Jungle fame. We're doing back to back Lily Sobieski's man. Oh, it's it's just so, it's like this movie did not deserve the actors that were in it, to be honest. And they didn't deserve the scripts that they were given, honestly. Like, you could tell, you could really see the ones who were trying. I mean, Ellen Burstyn is a fucking phenomenon, and she was trying. You knew she knew. Like, you could see it in her eyes that she was like, this is the shit role, but I'm just going to do my thing because I'm Ellen Burstyn. And she tried, but it's just, it's terrible. Oh, the undeserved, like, length of conversations. There were so many long conversations. I hated it. Yeah, there was a lot of, like, just standing around and talking and then sort of flailing for a minute and then standing around and talking for a while. And, like, I don't know. They were trying to be, like, cryptic or something. And, like, he kept having these things where he would see the kid somewhere and he would run after her or try to find her. But then she wasn't there. She was there, but she looked weird. And But they didn't do, like, <clears throat> like, with some of them, they would be like, it's a dream. And then with some of them, it would be like, oh, he's just there. And then... So it's like, what's the point? Like, is this part of something? Is it not? And then, like, when he ran into the fucking field with the fucking bees, I was like, if you're allergic to the bees, don't run towards the bees, dude. Like, oh, 
Anyway, <laughs> just so many things did not make sense. It was just so upsetting. <laughs> that, okay, so he runs into the bees and he is in a fucking bee coma. He then <laughs> walks out into this garden where there's bees everywhere, but he has no reaction. They even walk past the same uh, area where the beehives are, and he's just like, that that just that didn't just happen. I didn't almost just die from bees. Like I just thought that was so such a weird choice. Uh, there were so many things about that that were weird. And then like the whole thing with the men having their tongues cut out and they're like the man slaves and they're just there to make the babies and Ugh, so stupid. <sighs> It just—it was just so unnecessary. Why? Why? Why, indeed? There are so many. Oh my god! Like, and that's the thing—is like, at least they—they just fucked up the whole idea of a mystery. They kept acting like there was a mystery when they'd already kind of revealed it, like very early on in the movie. I mean, you're not even at the island for five minutes, and you're hearing them drop the fucking Wicker Man bomb. Like, they're already, yeah. like, the wicker man. And I'm like, these guys, oh, my God, no. Like, I, I literally, I audibly, like, was just like, what? Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> oh, shoot. Something you said just made me think of something, and then I immediately forgot it. Crap, I hate it when that happens. Um, yeah, I think you kind of knew. And the whole thing with, like, teasing the him being the father and him not being the father but you kind of knew like it was just very like clumsily done where you just knew already you know like yeah like the foreshadowing was just so obvious it was like of course he's the father like so it over with you know <laughs> like i don't know the, everything was just so not clever you know there was nothing like okay like because in the original one like at least they had some like clever little ploys or something or there are things that you're just like okay that's extra weird like they were constantly upping the ante they started off fairly innocuous you get into like night sex whatever and then you start getting into like more and more weird shit with the school and then the fucking you know penis pole or whatever and then all that <laughs> shit and I'm like, <laughs> like the old one when they're like talking about that and in the 1973 one, and he's, like, talking about, to the teacher about the pole. She's like, yes, it represents the phallic symbol. And as she's saying it, it cuts to, like, the, all the kids rubbing the pole. And I was like, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. They didn't really hold a lot back. <clears throat> they didn't, but it, but it paid off, though. So. Yeah. It was earned. Everything was earned. Nothing was earned in this movie. They just thought that if they used, if they added on to the things from the original movie, it would somehow make it more interesting. And they cared so much about trying to make this a horror movie with the music cues and all, and it just didn't mm -hmm. fucking work. And I felt like the, just the whole atmosphere of it just didn't quite feel right, like, for what they were going for. There's just something too, like, bright and sunny about it and it felt very like it had this like home movie quality to it of like yeah. somebody's camping trip or something I don't know it just 
was like not very well thought out in terms of all that. Like it didn't didn't gel. It, yeah, it was in that in that yeah, and that's right there. And also like in the over so they're overcompensating with music keys, they're overcompensating with like little effects here and there and trying to make you know, things that like basically they were constantly trying to make scenes that were nothing into something. Yeah. They were always trying to build something up that was nothing. Where in the seventy three one, like, there was no need for that. They didn't have to they did not one time rely on any like scary music cues there was no low rumble there every single part of it was light and airy and it was still even like sunny and like you know i mean it was still cloudy because it's fucking scotland yeah it's funny actually real side note is real quick side note is that they filmed it in october but it was supposed to be spring like it's a setting so they they actually like glued a bunch of flowers to the trees (laughs) To make it look like it was, like, prettier. Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah, and I think that one, the original, you just kind of felt like... I don't, That was sort of part of what was creepy about it, was that it just looked like any old place. But then the people were kind of... There was something a little sinister about them. Whereas the new one just really hit you hard over the head with, like... This is different. You should know this is different. Can you tell that you should be afraid that it's different? Like, it was just... Yeah, and it was like, no, it's not enough. (laughs) You have to actually make a movie, too. Yeah. And they were definitely trying to, like, go for something very atmospheric, I think. Which is why, like, it was kind of weird when you'd have... Because there were some interiors that I thought were really interesting looking like when he goes into the doctor's office place and like when he goes to see Ellen Burson's character and all that oh yeah but they were just like so disconnected from everything else and then these like exteriors that look like they're shot in like a national park or something and just like it didn't it, it didn't all work together and the art, the art like... direction was not terrible, and I could see, like, you know, the production design team and, like, the art design team trying their goddamn best. Yeah. And it didn't look, like, there were things, like, if I can say positives, like, the look of Ellen Burstyn, like, Burstyn and, like, her, like, outfits and the different, you know, like, things like that. At the end, everyone's different costumes. I thought that was well done. Yeah. Like, you know, if there's positive, like, in that you know, in that side of it, yeah, but, you know, those people are separate, you know, from the fucking writing and directing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would probably be, that was probably what was best done in the whole thing, um, was the look of, of certain parts of it, especially. And I think they, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> I think they, like, tried to rely on that too much to carry the- who designed the costumes seemed like they had actually watched the movie more than the people who made this movie. Like, it's like literally the people who made this movie and like wrote it seemed like they heard about The Wicker Man and yeah. then they watched the trailer and then they were like, I'm gonna make a movie about this. Yeah. Though, so, the reason it was produced though, and this, is, this actually makes me, this bums me out. So, did you notice at the very end? It was dedicated to Johnny Ramone. Is that what you're gonna say? Yeah. Yeah, that made me so fucking mad. 
it bums me. Well, it, so Nicolas Cage and Jair Ramon are good friends, and um, he and Johnny Ramon introduced Nicolas Cage to the Wicker Man, and Johnny Ramon loved the original Wicker Man. Like he thought it was like a masterpiece and all this stuff. And then this is the fucking tribute to him <laughs> for his favorite movie, and it bummed me out. I know it's such a bummer. Oh. But maybe in a way, Johnny Ramone would appreciate that it's a bummer. He was a bummer kind of guy, I think. I Johnny know. Ramone would have thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <clears throat> he definitely would have enjoyed, like, the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely ridiculous. Oh, my God. Stupid as fucking hell. Oh, jeez. Okay, so, like, the, you know, he goes into that school... And then I'm like, you know, so I just watched the other one. So, of course, that school scene, it, that was, like, basically almost a complete rip, just, you know, straight up word for word yeah. from the, the other Wicker Man, which, that's just, that's, that's irritating. Yeah. You know, if it's not, a, it's not, if it's not from a fucking book, don't do that. Like. Yeah. And then, but they're, like, the way they would try to, like, shoehorn certain stuff in, it just was so weird. Like, for some reason, there's that part where um, the bear costume lady is talking to the other lady, and she's like, you're going to have to let your costume out again or something. And that was like a word-for-word rip from the original, where yeah. like Chris Lee's character says that to the guy who's playing Punch. And in the original, it kind of flows into the conversation, you know, whatever. In the... Nicholas Cage when it just is so awkward it's like no one would say that like it just doesn't make any sense well and especially considering the next transition in that conversation yeah where she's just like she's just like huh yes it gets tighter and tighter every year so did you murder that guy yeah <laughs> like I told you yeah and it's like really out of everything that happened that snippet of conversation is the part you were like I can't lose that <laughs> gotta have that in there fucking seriously <laughs> oh we have to show that we're an homage yeah. oh my god yeah I'm showing real respect I love the difference of like when she's the teacher's explaining the whole phallic thing to the cop in the original and then explaining it to Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage is oh phallic yeah <laughs> I was like, what is happening? <laughs> Everyone had just kind of given up by that point. They were like, whatever. <laughs> Though, I honestly, when he said, like, you're a bunch of little liars, I, I also, I, I was half expecting to be like, I'm going to kick all your asses. Yeah. <laughs> he will. He'll, he'll beat a woman. I mean, apparently. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it was a uh, roller coaster ride of of madness. And oh, then and the infuriating end... bullshit tropes. They just cared about trying to sell this as some kind of scary movie, so they just threw things in. Like the twin thing does annoy me because the only reason they did that was because it's creepy. There's yeah. no reason for the twin thing. It makes no sense. They never never explain it. There, yeah, <sighs> there were so many things where they were just like. 
whatever. It's creepy. You don't need to know. Just deal with 100%. That. Oh, but you know what movie I do kind of want to see? I want to see uh, James Franco and Josh Ritter go to the <laughs> island. <laughs> oh, my God. I love so. Did you know? So that ending wasn't in the original cut. And then that ending was like in the, I think that was the director's cut. Oh, really? <laughs> or something like that. Like, because that ending wasn't the original theatrical thing. And um, it's so stupid. It's so dumb. <laughs> but it's it's so funny, too, because I'm just like, wow, you got Jason Ritter and and James Franco. And even they don't look like they want to be there. No. <laughs> There's... Or Jason Ritter. I said James Ritter. No. Is it Jason Ritter or is Josh? I don't know. No, no, it's Jason Ritter. It's Jason, okay. Yeah, Jason yeah. Ritter. And, um, um, oh, God. And then oh, I want to throw a Louis Sobieski being like, take me home with you. Yeah. I, I know. It was just so, like, ugh. Ugh. So 2006. Every part of that movie is fucking painful as shit. It was um, so, uh, And I... I just didn't, I remembered it was bad, but I didn't remember why it was bad, but now I remember, and it was bad. (laughs) Oh my god, so bad. I do, one quick note, um, fashion-wise, Ellen Burstyn on the bed with that giant silk Snuggie, I want that giant (laughs) silk Snuggie that she was in. It looked really comfortable. Yeah. And I feel like uh, this says a lot about just the difference between the two versions of the Wicker Man. In the first one, when he's, like, running around just randomly throwing doors open, he walks in on the the rubbing one out chick, you know? Yeah. And this one, he walks in on an old man laying in a bed just with, like, all kinds of random boils and shit all over him. <laughs> like... Oh, that sequence is so weird, too. Just can- and the weird, the Candyman girl with the bees on her. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the difference. One, you get the hot girl doing the dirty stuff. This one, you get the random old man with boils who makes no sense. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> See, at least in the last one, we got to see titties. Yeah. You know, don't even get that. I, oh my God, that. so my last note I wrote for this movie was just, I was so, I was so mad. You can like see it. I said, it makes, I was like, it makes no fucking sense to fake that accident. What the fuck? It, that will always bother me. Them faking the, the accident with the girl and the mom. And oh, the it, it was Make like, we just no did it because it was spooky. <laughs> like, <laughs> we went through all this trouble just because it was spooky. <laughs> true. I'm sorry. I call bullshit. Like, there's not, you keep taking that little girl out into the world and do shit like that. And then eventually she's going to be like, I'm, I'm just going to stay. This is better. <laughs> I am so sick of, like, I don't want to bang my cousin, Mom. Yeah. Or whatever. I want to bang random cops that I find at the bar. I guess they keep trying to find cops on purpose. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. They didn't really explain that. Well, they weren't going to explain anything because they, they couldn't explain even explain anything. it to themselves. No. Um, they spent so, so much time explaining, like, 
one thing and then everything else they were just like just don't worry about it <laughs> tell me shit yeah. oh my god and then Nicolas Cage got burned up <laughs> in The Wicker Man and we all felt better about everything yeah that was oh yeah Tyler got another contrast as well like to like one person dying trying to die with some semblance of dignity singing the songs of his beliefs and then Nicolas Cage just like <laughs> ah! Ah! I think he literally screamed like fuck you bitches or something like that he's like fuck I'm you bitches that didn't happen honestly I'm surprised fuck you bitches I think he did when he was did dying he in that? the wicker man okay. I think he really did scream like you're all bitches, or fuck you, oh, or bitches. Oh, yeah, he did say, oh, God. Like, evil women. This is this yeah. is why women can't, like, have their own stuff. We'll just enslave men and yeah. make really complicated, convoluted <laughs> plans to yeah. get other dudes served. That makes no sense. You know how the witches are. They're always trying to steal sperm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
within like a mile and there's and this cast is very small but it's beautifully shot it's called the vast of night okay it's um it kind of has this you know i don't i want to give too much away but without giving too much away it basically has this kind of like um twilight zone feel to it it's kind of presented to you that way of like this is you know like this is like a slice like it would be a story in the twilight zone or like or like all those old radio shows yeah. so it's set in the set in the 50s and so it has that 50s feeling to it, too. Like, I feel like they nailed it with, like, like the quippy way they talk, the dialogue and everything. Um, like, you you get this great opening shot with a nice pan of, like, you know, a little bit of a walk and talk thing. But, but it also gives you, like, the whole realm of everything that's happening in this town. Like, within this one, like, first shot, you get the idea of, like, okay, this is a small town. Most people know each other. They're setting up for some kind of game. They're, you know, this guy works in, you know, audio visual stuff, bim, bam, boom. And you're just, you're just kind of like walking to this slice of life. And it's, so it's these very, like, it is not like, it's, it's not a fast paced movie, but it's a generous movie. So you're not, you know, it's, if you don't, if you're not into slow paced stuff, I, you know, don't watch it. But like, honestly, I think it's really rewarding because it's, it's what I was talking about before where like they nailed that whole thing of like seeing these shots with these very still shots of like maybe someone's just talking and the camera's not moving at all. I'm just on them. But the way they do it, it just, you're riveted to the scene. And cause there's like a kind of a mystery going on and there's a little bit, it, it's very, everything's so subtle, but you're, you're still really intrigued. Like it's very intriguing and it's, it's really nice. I liked it. Cool. And they, they do a couple of, of interesting tricks too that I liked, and I mean it was low budget, and yeah, I, I recommend it. Okay, I'll have to check that out. It's called the Vast of Night. The Vast of Night, yeah. Okay, cool. What you got? Um, well, I watched. Um, I watched The Outsider. Finished that. And it was really good. I really liked it. Um, I was not... Like, the first episode or two, I was kind of on the fence about it. And um, by the end, I liked it. And I felt like the changes that they made from the book ended up really working in a lot of ways. Like, um, I feel like one of my... like. One of my only criticisms of Stephen King is that I feel like sometimes he kind of um, doesn't flesh out his side characters as much. Like, he'll really focus a lot on the main characters, you know? And they, I feel like they really fleshed out, like, um, Jack and Claude and his brother and all, like, really nicely and, like, really developed them as characters a lot more, like, and the actors who played them all were really good, like, it had a, a really great cast, and, um, the relationship between Holly and Ralph, like, I really liked how they developed that and everything, and, um, Ben Mendelsohn is such a good actor, and, um, so is Cynthia Erivo, this was the first thing yeah. I had really seen her in, in a big part, 
and she was really good. I liked what they did with Holly. Like, I feel like they really set her up kind of as, as Holly, like, in a different universe of Holly in the books. Well, they had to divert it because Holly is from another book. So yeah. they definitely, so they really wanted to try to make Holly, like, her own separate character. Because in... Because in The Outsider, I mean, she does have a, a... There's a lot of her personality that has to do with her connection with Bill, the yeah. detective from the Mr. Mercedes book. So so I think they handled that really well. Yeah. Because they kept they, the they, essence of who Holly was. Yeah, they definitely, I think, were trying to separate this Holly from the Bill Hodges Holly. They kind of made her more of the Holly before she met Bill Hodges. Like she's because she drinks more and she swears more and that because that holly was more of the holly mr mercedes and the holly in the outsiders like post bill where she's like influenced by him more and she's like trying not to swear as much she says poopy yeah (laughs) um i am a little bit mixed on it like i i agree with you on like the majority of that like because the yeah the acting is phenomenal and the casting is phenomenal and i love like a majority of it it's just there i i actually thought that they could have done more with the um holly and ralph relationship as far as building that up earlier on it was very subtle it was a very slow build but there's that part where they're driving out to um the cave in Tennessee, you know, and they're talking about, he tells a story about his mom and the record and everything, you know, and that for me, I thought that was just, I don't know, that was really good writing as far as that scene really just kind of brought everything together for their relationship kind of at that point, because I think they're like, that's kind of what works about it a little bit to me is there's never anything about it that's like, it's a very uh, what's the right word? It's it's at an arm's length. I think they're both kind of at an arm's length people. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I feel you. They're never gonna be like super emotionally open and stuff like that. Like oh, I was absolutely thrilled about Jeannie's casting, or like that just Jeannie. This the way they did Jeannie was amazing because I love her in the book. And so they, they did her really, really well. Oh, like, yeah. Ralph Life. Yeah. Yeah, Marilyn. She's a great really character. Great. Yeah. She was perfect for that. She was good. Uh, Glory was good. The, the, the mm-hmm. actress who made Glory, but, like, the way they did her characters is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, she was another one who I felt like got a little more attention in this than she did in the book. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. And I um, liked, I thought the relationship that they kind of developed between Jack and Holly was kind of interesting, too. And that was not something I remembered so much from the book. Um, Jack, the guy who was the shooter and everything, you know. Like, I thought he he was an interesting character to me that I didn't remember being so, like, developed in the book. Yeah. <coughs> they did, oh, yeah, they did a lot. Like, the, th- the stuff they did more, I did like. Um, and, like, especially with Jack. The- them getting more into, like, exactly what was happening. So you could, because you really felt it by the end of, like, this is a guy who has been broken. 
Yeah. And he has no options. And that's why we know he's dangerous. And they did that. So, oh, my God, the actor was fucking great, too. Yeah. Like, damn, he was good. And um, the... Oh, man. And that, I mean, the first episode, like, I thought they did nail it. Like, that... I love, I love that, like, Jason Bateman did that because, you know, in the book, Terry says his favorite show is Ozark. Oh, really? I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and Jason Bateman loves the book. He was really, he was good. And I thought his episodes that he um, directed were good, too. Oh, yeah. He's a good director. I was surprised. Oh, yeah. like, damn. And um, I loved that episode, though. I thought it was really clever where um the guy's telling the story about the kids who got lost in the cave in tennessee yes because at first i did not realize it was supposed to be in the past but you know i remember thinking like right before the reveal that it's like 1946 or whatever like i remember thinking like do they think that this is what southerners look like like everybody looks like it's still like (laughs) the 1940s and a minute later, he's like, it's 1946. Yeah. <laughs> We're all just a bunch of Appalachian hills. Yeah. <laughs> and that was really, that was interesting. And I don't think that was in the book either. Not that I remember, but maybe Wait, it was. Wait, the, the thing about the cave-in? That was in the book. Was it? Okay. Yeah, that was a big part of it because that was, that, that was the same. Except because in the book, it was um, Claude's mom who was telling the story and which okay like and while like i get the the brother thing makes sense as far as like the escalation stuff but it did i missed i missed the mom because i loved the mom in the book because she was funny i didn't (laughs) remember her it's been a while since i read it i read it like when it kind of first came out but it i um i really liked the way they did that i thought that was really clever oh yeah it Oh man, that guy who plays Claude, he I love him. So he Oh was Patty in, Constantine, he's really good, yeah. Yeah, he was in the Hot Fuzz. Yeah. And uh yeah, The World's End and shit. Oh oh and he is about to be in another HBO show that's coming out soon. An HBO show called it's a limited series called The Third Day. And it is a series that is based off the Wicker Man. Really? Yes, I just found out about this. It comes out in September. Oh. Um, I watched watched part of the trailer for it. I didn't watch the whole thing because I felt like it was giving away too much, and I just wanted to kind of go in on my own. But Jude Law is the fucking guy. Oh, shit. Yeah, and it looks like it's going to be freaky. I don't know. But um, but the guy who played Claude is in it. Okay. And they're doing it, like, in the English Isles and everything, too. They're bringing it back to, like, that. Or, like, nice. Yeah. I have to say his southern accent was one of the better fake southern accents I think I've heard. I thought he did a pretty good job with it. I, at first, I almost thought it was too much, but then when I, like, but then when I realized, I was like, oh, wait, he, like, actually understands regional accents. Yeah. Like, he was doing a country accent. And um, I did like, though, that they didn't make all the actors do southern accents. Like, his worked. But his made sense too when you re- when you realize he's from Tennessee. Yeah, and I think it was a good choice not to not to like make everybody do a southern accent. 
because I don't know that it would have worked out for everybody. No, and it didn't, and that's the great thing. It's like it it made sense considering where everybody was in Georgia, like you know, sort of. Like ben I think, ben, like, well, I guess like Ben Mendelsohn probably he probably would have had a little bit of something maybe as like a guy that age in Georgia, but like I thought he was good. I mean, he's Australian, you know, so he was doing really good. <laughs> oh, I think Ben Mendelsohn is like really attractive especially when he talks with his australian accent oh oh with he's a totally different human being like outside of that like i'm yeah i'm attracted to ben Wilson outside of ralph because he's such a good <laughs> actor he's playing ralph and i'm not attracted to ralph but yeah. ben Mendelssohn, the person is like super charismatic like yeah cool dude for sure he oh god it was so good like the only thing i i Will, okay, spoiler alert real quick for people who haven't seen it. Um, but I... Um, uh, the ending. Oh, yeah. The And it's not the end. Like, it was, like, literally the very, very end. Like, I was happy with everything. And then they did that thing with... With uh, With, with uh, Holly at the end. Yeah. And I, I, I think and they you know why wanted, they did that, right? I think they wanted to be a continuing series. Yeah. yeah, they they just decided that like basically halfway through, and they just like added that, and it pissed me off because I'm like, it doesn't need to be. Yeah. This was completely fine, like in a bottle. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. Well, I mean, I'll I'll reserve judgment to what they do, but I'm not sure that I it needs to be anything else. Because I'm afraid that this is the type of monster that if you keep delving into it and, like, it keeps going, that it's going to turn into something stupid. Yeah. But then if you keep trying, if you if you go on your own to try to dissect Stephen King monsters, it will turn out stupid. Well, and I feel like that's kind of, um... Remember Langoliers? That's Langelier? already kind of been done in the Mr. Mercedes stories is with Brady, um... What's his butt? And oh, was in, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't read back. those, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, the whole, like, they die and then they come back as, like, psychic entities thing. Oh, I, I mean, done. I You know, like, I don't know. But I liked, I did like it, and, um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I started watching, um. Perry Mason on HBO, and actually, it's pretty good so far. I've it just is watched good. the first two episodes. I'm only two episodes in. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, I'm into it. It's very different, but in, in a good way. I realized what they were doing because I was so confused at first when I heard about it because I was like, Perry Mason isn't a detective. And then I realized, like, oh, this is before he became a DA. Yeah, this is like the prequel kind of thing. But they're doing it well, uh, dude, but, like, anyone who wants to watch it, I will give you straight-up trigger warning right now. That first fucking, like, ten minutes of, into the show, you will see a full-on dead baby. Oh, yeah. There's some pretty graphic shit in it. Super graphic. And, um, yeah, but it's, it's, so far, it has some really good characters and really good development and everything just within the first couple episodes. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I need to get that jump back into that. It's um, 
Yeah, it's really good so far. And oh man, that I never really watched the Americans, but oh, that I guy love who, like, the Americans. I watched it all the way through. It's really good. The guy who plays Perry Mason is weirdly attractive. Yeah, Matthew Reese. He is. He's. Oh um, man, he's like Columbo attractive. <laughs> Was Columbo attractive? Well, in a way. <laughs> well, he has like Columbo energy. Yeah, I can see it. It kind of, kind of compact and. Columbo was charming. He yeah, <laughs> he was. He was a good talker. I love the woman who's his like fuck buddy who lives next door. Who's a pilot. She's a badass. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I have to keep watching. I can't wait to get into the stuff with Tatiana Maslany. Yeah, and um, I never really watched Orphan Black, and I need to watch that show because I love her because. Weirdly, I've heard her a lot on Comedy Bang Bang as a guest, oh. and she's a very naturally funny, cool person, but she's on the show a lot because she really loves that podcast, like, a lot, and, uh, but she's apparently really good, and as a parent, I've heard she's, like, amazing in this, so I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Keep watching. She's good. They're all, they're good, yeah. Did you, by the way, did you watch I'll Be Gone in the Dark? No, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, Everybody's yeah. talking about it, I know, but I just can't quite get myself in the mental space to do it. I mean, I get it. Um, Like, reading the book and everything, because, I mean, the thing is, is, like, it takes everything in the book, and then it just, like, amplifies it by 20, and then you get all this extra stuff with Michelle. So, I mean, it, it's, especially if you're, like, you know, me and, like, us, like, where we're just, like, I love Michelle McNamara, I love the book, and I, like, love you know everything about that so it it does get emotional you know and like but it's so great and you know karen kilgareth is in it um she's interviewed and um and it's it's just a great it's so it's such a well-done docuseries because it's you know it's about the golden state killer but really it's about michelle and her journey to like helping try to find this guy and you know what she went through and it's about the victims and they and it's and it's about their journey and how they healed and how they found each other and it's just like really well done because it's like when they get when they talk about him it's like he's like this virus you know he's an infection that they're trying to get rid of you know and they don't give him you know there's no glorifying of any of his bullshit at all he's just a piece of shit you know like and it's wonderfully just wonderfully done cool highly recommend i guess you do have to be in a good headspace but i mean crying is healthy sometimes and not all of it is like super sad cry but it's still like you know yeah it hits you i mean i i think i cried at, at some point at least in every single episode yeah yeah i uh I'll, I'll get to it eventually but it may take me a little while to that's fair that's fair to get but yeah to it. i recommend that and then mostly i've just been rewatching a lot of stuff too like yeah, uh too. doing rewatching angel again <laughs> i've never watched angel it's good i mean you know i watched it when it was on so i feel like i have a different vision of it now it's weird like starting it at this point because it's it's very of its time you know it's 
very early 2000s. Um, Cordelia drops the R word quite a bit. And like just that, well, you know, the early 2000s where people were like, that's gay. You're, you know, retarded, you know, shit like that. But, you know, but it's still, it's still great, though. If you ever love Buffy and stuff, I mean, Angel is good. You know, the first season has, like, it can be weird, but I thought, I still think it's good. And I'm in the second season right now, which is really good. But I will admit, in the, like, there are seasons that are not so great. Like, the third and fourth season are not so great. But it has a stellar last season. The fifth season is, like, incredibly good television. So... I do recommend, but yeah, but it's very of its time. Okay, well, maybe I need to watch Buffy. I've never watched Buffy really either. I've seen a couple <gasps> episodes here and there. Oh my god! Well, yeah, you definitely got to watch Buffy first because you need to understand. Because in the first season, there's there's still like they do a bunch of crossover stuff, mm-hmm. so like it helps to have an understanding of their relationship beforehand. In their connection to each other. Yeah. Um, but Buffy's great. The first, it, it is, again, it's of its time. The first yeah. season is kind of rough. Yeah. Um, but it gets, but the second season is fucking stellar, and then it just keeps getting better from there. Yeah. I've, I've heard good things. I think I would probably like it. It is great. Um, I fucking love Sarah Michelle Gellar. <laughs> I'll always love her. Because of that role in... Yeah, just in general. I just think she's so great. Especially watching Cruel Intentions just solidified my love for her. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's just always been a great actor. <laughs> I've randomly started re-watching old episodes of Third Rock from the Sun. Did you ever watch that? Holy shit, yeah, like way back in the day. It's also very of its time, <laughs> but it actually is pretty funny sometimes. And John Lithgow... John. John Lithgow really is a great actor. He has such a range. Because he's also on that Perry Mason show. I was about to say, he's in Perry Mason, too. And, and he's so great. It's, yeah, it's such a different character and performance and everything, you know. But he's he's, he's great. <laughs> I feel like it's so scary to be in a scene with John Lithgow as an actor. Because he's a scene stealer. Yeah, for he, sure. He, he has a presence. And, like, the way he talks and commands the scene is just, like... It's hard not to pay attention to him. Yeah. He, I mean, he's in one of my favorite seasons of Dexter of all time. Yeah, I think that probably was maybe Dexter's best season. Uh, well, it, I ended it. Like, that's when I ended the show for myself. Because yeah. I was like, this is how it ends. <laughs> I just decided that that's how it ends. Because I was like, oh, oh, she, the, uh, no, I don't want to give spoilers. But it was like, the, the way it ended, that season ended, I just was like, oh, okay then. No reason to keep watching. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, Julie Benz, also an angel. Yeah. She's and in Buffy. something else. She's actually watched. the first episode of Buffy. Oh, she's on, um, that's right. She was on in, um, on Becoming a God in Central Florida, which is actually a really good show if you have a way to watch it. Oh, I'll check that it out. It's a show. Dude, she has the sexiest voice. <laughs> really? I don't really I like, know. What I like that kind like. of like. I don't know that weird like light. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. Like <laughs> airy kind of like, like silky a voice. Kinda. I don't know. She's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. 
Angel, I miss you. I don't know. I can't do it. Well, she now I'm curious. Care. I'm going to have to go back and listen. No, absolutely. No, you'll agree. Julie Benz is, has a very nice voice. Um, <laughs> oh, the funniest thing about watching Angel, I will say, is that watching five seasons of the show with David Boreanaz and as this immortal vampire, and they do like the the flashbacks of him as like a 16 year old when he got like bit or whatever he was like 21 and you're just like David Boreanaz is not 21 <laughs> and it's I mean I love the I, mean, I love it but that's the problem with shows like that if you have like immortal vampires where eventually it's like okay but weight fluctuations and his hair's spinning yeah. out yeah I can see where that would be a problem yeah but yeah anyways yeah recommend if you haven't seen Buffy or Angel you should watch those shows cool well we didn't really talk about what we were going to watch next did we or did we have one on the list somewhere that we forgot about that possibly I I don't know what do you want to do next I mean I know I did text you one where I was like oh it was Brendan Fraser Um, I well one actually I was thinking about was Matilda. Matilda. Well, there's it's actually there's two I got in that same realm because I got Matilda or well actually and or if we could do both is Matilda and the Witches. Yeah, I saw that the Witches is on um Netflix. Man, the Witches scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. It's been a hot minute. Forever. Yeah. Since I've seen it. I would be so so we could do either one. Would you want to do which one? Would you want to do next? We could do a so combo. We could do both of them. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can do both like this one. We'll make it a raw doll special. Yeah. Double time. Yeah. Do you guys like this? These extra long episodes come at you <laughs> randomly. Yeah. I say let's go for it because I haven't seen this yeah. one in a while, and I loved. Oh man. I read Matilda, like, so many times when I was a kid. I loved that book. Yes! It's so good. Uh, so what do, you, what do you remember about the movie? Uh, Matilda, I actually remember a good bit. I really remember liking the part where the kid eats the chocolate cake, and they yeah. all cheer and everything, and Miss Trunchbull was a bitch. And then the witches, I don't remember as clearly. I remember seeing the witches when I was, like, pretty young. And I remember the part where Angelica Houston, like, takes her face off. And I got freaked the fuck out. And I don't think I ever watched it again. (laughs) That, yes. That scene scarred the fuck out of me as a child. (laughs) That, and she turning turning the boy into the rat. I yeah. Burned into my memory. Yeah. That movie, like, definitely scared the shit out of me as a kid, but oh, I love it. I love it now. Yeah. But I haven't seen it in a long time, but yeah. I, but I still get a pang of fear when I think about people wearing square toed shoes. Yeah, I know, right? I still get a little pang of fear. Like, oh, God, no. And they're going to be like, would you like some chocolate? <laughs> Um, yeah, and then Matilda, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember, yeah, the significant parts, I remember, like, the, 
the chocolate cake and you know yeah miss trunchbull is an asshole miss honey is super cool uh i think they steal some shit from her at some point yeah. the <laughs> and then they um and then the chokey, which oh, also terrified oh, me. Oh yeah, the chokey. I, I saw that, and I remember being scared that my teachers would get in, like would get inspired and like build a chokey at school. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, I'm excited. Yeah. All right. All right. Great. All right. Well, I think we could wrap it up. I think a, a two-hour podcast is sufficient. Oh, has it really been two hours? I think so. Oh, wow, it has almost been two hours. Well, there you go. We had a lot to say this time. That's okay. Yeah. Yes. Well, there, there was a lot to say. These movies, there was just a lot to unpack. Yeah. <laughs> Page one, two. Well, all right, you guys. I guess we're going to say over all Until right. next time. Bye. Stay safe. Wear masks. Yes, stay, stay inside. Wear your mask. And if you have to be outside, stay six feet away from people. And generally, it's don't be fucking stupid. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Peace. Bye.